chapter 1, we're going to start there, Joshua chapter 1, this has kind of been some of the theme verses we've been talking about on Sunday morning, Joshua chapter 1, we're going to start there, and uh, we're going to talk today about um, the last part of Joseph or Joshua's life, and we're going to share some things that I think that we could be encouraged with today that could help our faith. So we're going to kind of talk about Joshua, but the, the end portion of his life and what God did in it. So Joshua 1, in verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan into the land I'm giving you. And I promise that I, like I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot will be the land I've given you. In verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses, and I will not fail you or abandon you. Now, once again, God is not just speaking to Joshua, he's speaking to us today. Now, I'm going to need you to respond about ten times more than you responded today if I'm going to preach, because I can only preach as good as you respond. So, for I will be with you as I was with Moses, I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who would lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors, and I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Notice, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. This is a word for some of you today. Do not be afraid or discouraged. This is why, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He's with you wherever you go. So we don't have to be afraid or discouraged or dismayed. We can be strong and courageous because God is with us and he's for us. And he'll give us everything that God told us we could have. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is The Promise-Keeping God. The Promise-Keeping God. So, like I said, we're going to talk about the second half of Joshua. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. And so we're going to get into Joshua here, and we're going to talk about actually Joshua 11 through 24. Kind of give you an overview of what's going on in Joshua 11 through 24. So we see that... For those of you who have been here the past, really, month of Sunday mornings, and I encourage you, if you haven't been here, get online, get on the podcast, listen to those messages. They're all free. You can always go to iTunes and listen to them. You can always go to uh, our podcast on our uh, website and listen to them. So listen to those messages. So i got to kind of bring you up to date on what's going on. So anyways, uh, Joshua and God's people. Joshua and God's people. Joshua was the man who was supposed to bring God's people into the promises of God, which he did that. He did that. Uh, But Joshua is the account of what happened and when they conquered the land going into the promised land. So we see in the book of Joshua, all throughout Joshua, all the different kings and cities they conquered to take hold of the promises of God. But even though the promises belonged to them, they had to take possession of what belonged to them. In the same way in our Christian life, we have an inheritance that God has given us. It all belongs to us. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Him. 
They're already yes. They already belong to us. But believers have to take possession of what belongs to us. Now, we do that by our faith, by our faith. And a lot of believers never do that. They get saved and they live a uh, insignificant, defeated life on the earth all the way till they get to heaven. And then when they get to heaven, God's going to say, what are you doing? All this belonged to you, but you stayed out in the wilderness your whole life. And there was a promised land literally days away that already belonged to you and you never took possession of what was yours. Trust me, that's what he's going to say when you don't take possession of what belongs to you. He's going to say, why? It already was yours. But we saw something else that's true, too, about God's word and the promises of God. There will always be an obstacle between you and the promises of God. There will always be an enemy that tries to push you out and keep you away from the promises of God. So we see that that happened in Joshua. There was 31 different kings living in the promised land. Cities, towns, people that didn't like God's people. They were already living there, and God said, you're going to go in, but you're going to have to defeat these different kings and cities to take hold of the promises of God. There'll be different battles you have to fight, battles that you can have the victory in, but nevertheless, a battle you still have to fight. And he says, if you go and you do what I tell you to do, you listen to my instructions, I'll give you victory every time because I'm going to go with you. And I will give you everywhere, the Bible says, you put your foot. Everywhere you put your foot, I will give to you. So we see that Joshua did that. And Joshua, really the, uh, the account of Joshua in the Bible is from the time uh, Joshua and God's people came out of the wilderness and started to go into the promised land until the time that Joshua died, which that's about 25 years of time. Now, can I, can I encourage some elderly saints in here today? I don't know if you guys want to admit that you're elderly in here, but... Let me encourage you guys today. Joshua, when he went into the promised land and started defeating all these different kings and cities, was 85 years old. Now, you think your life is over just because you retired at 65. Come on now, somebody. That's God's word. Joshua, who led God's people, was 85 years old. When Now, we read this like he's 30 years old. Joshua led God's people when he was 85 years old, was still kicking butt in the promised land at 85 years old. Caleb was 80 years old, and he was kicking butt at 80 years old. Going to the mountain where the giants were, and he said, let me take it. Now, that's some faith people. That's some faith people. But I just wanted to encourage you with that for a second because I was looking at the timeline. I was like, in my head, I was always thinking, Joshua's like 30 years old. And I'm like, hold on. Joshua was 85. Because at the end of Joshua, he dies at like 110 years old. I was like, oh my gosh, he's 85 years old. So don't retire. Refire. Stir yourself up that God still has something great in your future. Is it true? The Bible's true. And so we need to be encouraged by that. Notice God was working in Joshua and Caleb's life when they were 80, 85 years old, taking the promises of God. And so we see that Joshua covers the 25 years between the time they came in to the time Joshua died. There was 31 kings that they had to defeat, and they defeated all of them. And we see that a lot of the rest of Joshua is 
Joshua giving to the different tribes their portion of land. Now, we know that there's 12 tribes in Israel, 12 different tribes, and each one of them deserved a certain piece of the promised land. Now, we see that some tribes were bigger than other tribes, so certain tribes would get bigger portions of land. But Joshua was handing out the inheritance to all the different tribes, saying, hey, uh, and these names are funny, but these are real tribe names. You know, Gad, you go over here. Manasseh, you go over here. Judah, you go over here. Issachar, this is your your spot where you're going to live. And so he was handing out the inheritance of the entire promised land to these 12 tribes. So the 12 tribes would inherit the promised land because it belonged to them. So the rest of the Joshua, if you read it, a lot of it is giving the inheritance to the different tribes, giving to them what belonged to them. But we're going to kind of focus on the last part of Joshua today and kind of wrap up this series and these messages on some kind of final thoughts that Joshua exhorted the people with before he passed away. But let's turn over to Joshua 21 first and verse 43. Joshua 21 and verse 43. You guys excited for today? Joshua 21, 43. Now, these, these verses we're about to read, I think, are just amazing verses. And I think that they will really encourage you guys today, especially some of you guys who have been discouraged about the promises of God in your life. Because Joshua didn't inherit the promised land overnight. Did I say 25 years? Yeah, 25 years. 25 years. Because what would happen is uh, they would defeat a city or a king, and then they take that land and start living there. And then when they got their strength back again, you know what God would say, go take this city, and then they would take that again. And then God would say, I want you, in the future, you need to go to this king in this city, and then they took that land. But it wasn't overnight they received all the promises of God. It was a process. Because by faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God. So it wasn't just all of a sudden they went in the promised land, they kicked 31 kings out, and they just settled immediately. No, it took years to do that. In the same way, it takes years for some of us to fully see all the promises of God in our life. And a lot of time we get discouraged in the years. Come on, let's be honest. We all get discouraged in the years. Because we, we haven't seen everything we're going to see in our life. But you realize the promises of God are for your whole lifetime. And God doesn't think in terms of your timetable and your time clock. God is outside of time. So a lot of times when we think something should have happened, sometimes it doesn't happen at the same time that God is in. Same way with Abraham, who was the father of our faith. God told him he was going to have a baby, a promised child. It was another 25 years before he had that baby. Faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God. David was anointed king, and it was still 20-some years till he became the king after God said, you're going to be the king. By faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God. Now, I don't like that. <laughs> Just to be honest, you probably don't like that. I like things now. We all do. We live in a 
microwave fast food generation. If you want to know something, you don't have to go to the library. Get on your smartphone. You can know anything you want to know in literally five seconds. We live in that kind of generation and culture. So we expect everything, including God, to work exactly like that, and he doesn't. So a lot of times we can get discouraged when things don't happen during the timetable we think they should. But let me read you these verses to encourage you. This is at the end of Joshua's life. Joshua 21, 43 says, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he swore to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. Verse 44, And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Verse 45. Now this is the greatest verse here. Not a single one of all of God's good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Listen to that. Not a single one of all of God's promises the Lord had given the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he would spoken came true. Come on, now that's a word for you today. Just because you don't see everything you want to see right now doesn't mean your story's over with. It took Joshua and God's people 25 years. He didn't give them this verse at Jericho. He didn't give them this verse at Ai. He didn't give them this verse when they crossed the Jordan. But at the end of Joshua's life, notice what Joshua could say to God's people. Not a single one of all the good promises of the Lord that he had given the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Not one. Everything he had spoken came true. And that brings us back to the title of our uh, message today. And it is the promise-keeping God. The promise-keeping God. We have a God who keeps his promises. A God who does what he says he will do. And we see throughout the entire book of Joshua and throughout the entire Bible that God is true to his word. He is a promise-keeping God. Anytime in the Bible that something doesn't happen the way it should, it's never on God's side. If you read it, it's God's people go the wrong direction and don't do what he says. God's people, men and women of faith, do their own thing, disobey God, and then something bad happens. But God never, never does not come true for the promises that he gives us. He never promises something and doesn't come through on his part because he's a promise-keeping God. And it says that not one single good promise that the Lord had given them was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Everything he had spoken came true. The same for you. Everything God speaks to you, I'm believing, is going to come true because he's a promise-keeping God. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen next week. It might not happen two years or five years or ten years. But God is a promise-keeping God. What he says he will do, he will do. And if it doesn't happen the way it should happen, it's not on his side. It's on our side. 
And we got to be honest enough and humble enough to admit when it doesn't work out, it's because we didn't do our part. Or maybe we didn't obey fully. Or maybe we just didn't know at the time. And something happened and we missed it. But we got to be humble enough to say, okay, that's not on you, God. That's on me. God says in his word, God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't lie. He's a promise keeping God. He's the most truthful being in all of creation. He's a promise keeping God. Come on, does anybody believe that today? He's a promise keeping God. And we realize that God is true to his word. He keeps his promise to us. And not one of the promises of God in Joshua, not one, were unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Everything. Now that's God's word. Everything he had spoken came true. So let's look over in Joshua 23 and 24. We're going to go there in a second. Let me kind of tell you what, what's going on here. So Joshua 23 and 24 is the account of Joshua is about to go to heaven, and he knows that. He's about to die. And so he's going to tell God's people his last message. How many know when you're about to die, you don't just say random things that are insignificant. You talk about important things. So Joshua did the same thing. Now, if you remember, at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses did the same thing to Joshua and God's people. He got the whole congregation together, including Joshua, and he said, okay, guys, this is what I want you to do. And so he encouraged them about their walk with God. He encouraged them about the promised land. He encouraged them about all the promises that God had spoken to them. And he said, Joshua is going to be the one who leads you into the promises of God. Not me. Joshua is going to be the one to do it. And I want you to follow him like you followed me. I want you to do this. So we see that Joshua, at the end of his life, does the same thing to God's people. He says, I want everybody to come together and I want to share with you before I pass on what's important. Because you, you guys have seen what God has done here, but I want to remind you of some things. And it's interesting when you read through chapter 23 and chapter 24, he says a, little, a lot of the same things that Moses said to God's people. He says things like, hey, God's people, listen for God's instructions. Don't turn from the right or, for, or to the left. Follow God because he'll be with you wherever you go. But he also gives them a warning. But if you don't follow God, you won't succeed. You won't prosper. You won't be able to overcome the enemies that you face in the future. So Moses and Joshua, notice they're saying the same things as they pass away. And Joshua, just like he was in Moses' life, God was. God is with Joshua and he's sharing these same things to God's people. He's reminding them of what God has done for them. He's saying, don't turn away from God in the future. Don't go your own way in the future. You saw what God did. Don't turn away. Follow God because he'll be with you wherever you go. And notice there's some warning in Joshua 23 and 24. And if we read into the book of Judges, which that's the next book in the Bible, you realize 
They didn't listen. Like most humans do. They didn't listen. If you read into the book of Judges, which is the next book after Joshua, it says there's a generation that grew up that didn't know God and didn't know the things that God did for them. After Joshua. Even though Joshua said very clearly, guys, don't forget about God. Don't forget about the promises of God. Don't forget about what God did here and what God has done for us. Because, you know, if Joshua had lived some more life than these young people in God's promised land had lived, Joshua was back in Egypt. They weren't. Some of these people had never been in the wilderness. Joshua was for 40 years with people complaining every day. Joshua had seen God move in Egypt. God move in the wilderness. God move in the promised land. God had, he had seen God move and he said, listen to God's instructions. Listen to him. Do what he tells you to do. He'll go with you. He will be with you. You, you guys saw what happened here with the promised land. Don't forget about it. And notice he's giving them some warning because he knows how humans can be. They forget about what God has done for them. They forget about what is important. They forget about the promises of God. That's why it warns them in Deuteronomy before they went into the promised land. He says, when you get there to the promised land and you live in houses that you didn't build and you have vineyards that you didn't dig and you are prosperous and you're having fun and you got food on the table and your family's good and and everything's great and everything's fine and you're not in Egypt anymore and you're not in the wilderness more anymore I'm preaching better than you're responding today he said don't forget the Lord your God because he is the one who brought you out of where you were because it's a tendency in all of us to forget about him when life starts going well And he says, you don't realize if you forget about them when you get there, notice your enemies are going to come back and they're going to take everything you have. And it's not going to be God's fault. It's because you forgot where you got it from. Come on, isn't that true? That's a tendency in all of us. We're prosperous now. We're healed now. We're delivered now. We live in the suburbs now. We have food to eat now. We got a good job now. Everything's good now. But where is God in your life now? Do you worship like you used to? Do you pray like you used to? Do you praise like you used to? When you were desperate, you were different. Isn't that true? Don't ever lose that. Because that's what keeps God moving in your life. Is that remembrance and that desperation that you had. And he said, don't forget about what God has done for you in a verse or not verse but a chapter 24 he goes on and he renews the covenant that God made with them renews the covenant and what he does is after he says all this he says to God's people do you guys want to serve God yes or no and they all say yeah of course I got to say yeah right then they say, are you, are you going to do this? And they all say, yeah, we're going to do this. So Joshua renews the covenant with God before he passes away. 
And it says what he does in verse 26. Joshua 24, 26. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instruction as a reminder of their agreement. And he took a huge stone and rolled it beneath the tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. And he will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. And we see that all throughout Joshua. We've shared about that a couple times in these messages about memorials to God. There's nine different times in Joshua where Joshua puts stones as memorials to God. All over the promised land. Are you seeing what he's trying to do? He's trying to remind the people because he realizes I'm going to go to heaven and these people are going to be without me here. And they need to be reminded of how they got to the promised land. They need memorials in their life, physical representations of the goodness of God all throughout the promised land. There's nine different ones recorded in the book of Joshua where he set up stones. He did that at the Jordan River when they crossed. He did that all throughout uh, the promised land. He put these stones in place so every time they would go by the rest of their life, they would know God has been good to us. The only reason we're here is because God helped us and saved us and rescued us and fought for us. That's why we're here. So there's nine different places throughout the promised land that he put these stones as memorials to God. Of the goodness of God and to remind the people not just of what God did, but what their responsibility is. And we see memorial stones. God's not asking us, like we said a few weeks ago, to put stones out in our backyard or at church. The memorials that we have are in our mind. That we need to talk about the goodness of God. How has God rescued us? How has God healed us? How has God delivered us? How has God changed our lives and our families and our futures? We need to talk about that because that's not memorials of stone. Those are memorials in our mind of the goodness of God. And we don't ever need to forget them because notice when we do, we start turning away from God. And that's why he said, I'm going to put this stone here so you'll know, don't go back on your word to God. It won't be well for you. Not because God's out to get you, but you're going into the land of the enemy when you do that. So we see that these stones were a sign and a memorial to God. Of his goodness. But they were a sign of covenant. Now I want to talk about covenant a little bit. This morning. Is that okay? Covenant. We titled this message. The promise keeping God. But this word promise in the Bible. Is a covenant word. It's a covenant word. Now a covenant. Is something that a lot of times. Modern day people don't know anything about a covenant. It's a very ancient thing, and it's a very serious thing, a covenant. Now, we know about contracts. We know about agreements, but a covenant is different. It's a different level. And we see that the Bible is a book of covenants. We see there's two major divisions, the New Testament and the Old Testament. Really, you could say the New Covenant and the Old Covenant, because that's what it is. And the Bible is full of covenants. God is a covenant-keeping God. He is a promise-keeping God. 
And so when you see throughout the Bible, when God says, I promise you, he's not saying, I promise you, like you guys say, I promise you to somebody else. Let's pinky promise on this. No, when God says, I promise you, that's a covenant word. Meaning that I'm going to do this. I'm not just giving you a nice thought or an encouragement or just trying to trick you. I'm in covenant with you. So when God says he promises you, it's not the same way we promise people and then we don't keep it. It's not the way, same way we get into contracts and then that's why we have lawyers to get out of the contracts. That's not what God does. Covenant is different than that. And so we see the Bible is full of covenant. God is a covenant-keeping God. And we see there's covenants in the Old Testament, covenants in the New Testament. And Joshua is renewing this covenant with God and his people. And we see that God said that he would be covenanted to Joshua and his people, but he gave them some conditions. Now, with covenant... The importance of that is this. When you read Joshua or any other book in the Bible, you see in Joshua 1 all those things that God said to Joshua. He said stuff like, I will not leave you. Uh, I will go with you wherever you go. Don't be discouraged or dismayed. I will fight for you. I will give you this. I will do this for you. Once again, that's not just God just being encouraging, which he is being encouraging, but it's not just him being encouraging. He's talking in covenant terms. When he says, I promise you I will do this, he's talking in covenant terms. Now, covenant series. Now, let me explain to you in the Bible. So, covenant is this. Covenant happens when two different parties want to come together and make a covenant together, most of the time, to help one another out. And in the Bible times, let's just take this. Uh, there would be a tribe who would be very good at agriculture or hunting. So they'd be good at, at, at killing animals and getting food and growing crops. But then there would be another tribe that would be good at battling people. That would be good protectors. So both of those two tribes realize that we have some weakness here. So what we're going to do is we're going to come together in a covenant that says... I'll give you food if you give me protection. And we're going to make a covenant together. And it also means if I'm in help, you'll come help me and vice versa because we're in covenant. And a lot of times in those covenant ceremonies, what would happen is they would come together as a tribe and they would be leaders of the tribe that would come together. A lot of times they would sacrifice an animal. They would cut it in the middle. There would be blood everywhere. Like I said the other week, the Bible's not PG. And they didn't come together to worship the animal. That's not what they were doing. They weren't doing animal sacrifices right then. They were cutting the animal to say, if any of us break this covenant, let us be like this animal that we just killed. Now, that's how serious it is. Now, that's why it's different than just a contract or an agreement or a pinky promise you. Because they were so true to their word, they said, if either of us were agreeing, if we break this covenant, let us die like this animal just died. Or they're saying, I'd rather die than break this covenant. Because I'm not going to do that. Now, our modern world knows nothing about 
those kind of covenant terms. Nothing. But that's the kind of covenant that God made with his people. God said, I'm true to my word and I would rather die than break my promise. Now, those are some strong words from God, but that's what God says in his word. So when he says, I'm going to do this, this is not just encouraging words. This is a covenant speaking. And God's saying, if I lie to you, I would rather die. Because I keep my covenants and I keep my promises. Because God is a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. He does not lie. He is always truthful, always faithful, always true to his word. God is a covenant-keeping God. But he had that type of relationship with all of God's people throughout the Old Testament. A covenant relationship. But it's the same way in the New Testament. You're saying, well, I don't have a covenant. Joshua did, Abraham did, David did, all these guys. No, you have the best covenant. You don't realize that. Because God saved the best for last. The Bible says that we live today in a new covenant with better promises, with better blood, with a better mediator, with a better savior than anything in the Old Testament. And you do have a covenant. It's called the new covenant. The Bible says that covenant was cut with Jesus at the cross. And when he was bleeding, it just wasn't for him to bleed. He was cutting a covenant with all of us at the cross, saying, I would rather go back and die again than not speak the truth to you. Because I'm a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God, and I don't break my word for anything. So Jesus, the Son of God, has shown us all how serious he is about keeping his promises in his covenant by dying on the cross. None of us did that. He did. And when he did that, he cut covenant with us by his blood. And that's why it could say in the New Testament, all the promises of God are yes and amen for us. Come on, are you here today? Because he's a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. He's faithful to his word. And once again, he says, just like any other covenant, I would rather die than not keep my word. And trust me, God keeps his word. Now, we don't, (laughs) but he does. Here's something I thought of thinking about covenant. There's three different times in Joshua 1 where he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. There is no courage without covenant. Are you here today? There is no courage without covenant. You can't have courage in this life to do what God has called you to do or what he's promised you to do without covenant. Once again, these are encouraging words, but it's not just flowery, encouraging, faith-filled words. These are God's covenant, promise-keeping words, so it's more serious than just an encouraging word. God's not just giving us a coach's pep talk. 
Go out there. Do good. Get him, Tiger. You got this. That's not what God's doing. No, he's talking in terms of covenant. In terms of a promise. And he's a promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God. So how could Joshua have courage? Because he had a covenant. How can you and I have courage in a dark, scary world right now? Because covenant. Because we serve a God who is covenanted to us to help us and to protect us and to heal us and to help us and to fight for us and to be there with us. We have a God who is covenanted to us so we can have courage in the same way Joshua had courage because covenant. Now, I wanted to bring that out before we finish this series because that's an important part of the entire Bible, but especially Joshua. Covenant. That God is a covenant promise-keeping God. And once again, he said, I would rather die than to break my word. And he's never broken his word. And he never will. Humans do, don't we? But he doesn't. He's a promise covenant-keeping God. So we can have courage because of covenant. We can have courage knowing that God promises us. And he backs us up. And he's with us wherever we go. Because he promised us he would. And we can trust the promises of God. Now you can't trust everybody, but you can trust God. You can't make sure everybody's telling you the truth, but you can make sure God is. There's one person that will never break covenant, that will never go back on his promises, and that's God. And God said, I'd rather die than break my promises. That's why Joshua says, not one of God's promises were left unfulfilled. Everything he said came true. Everything he said. If it was true for Joshua, it could be true for us. Come on, do you believe that today? If it was true for Joshua, it can be true for us. Because we're in a better covenant with better promises. And God says, not one thing will be left unfulfilled in your life. Everything I've spoken to you can come true. So we see that all throughout Joshua, we see these patterns that occur in Joshua that he says, listen for my instructions. And when Joshua listened, he succeeded, he prospered. When he didn't, he didn't. (laughs) We also see him honoring the presence of God all throughout Joshua. Putting the Ark of the Covenant first, which was the type of the presence of God. We see that he took steps of faith to conquer all the promises of God. One city at a time. One king at a time. And 25 years later, all the promises of God were fulfilled. And notice he said, and we had rest on every side. So not only were we in the promised land, we could rest at night on every side knowing that there's no more enemies to be defeated. Come on, can we get to a place like that? Rest on every side, even though this world is crazy and doing all sorts of stuff that we don't understand? Can we rest on every side? The Bible says we can. 
rest on every side. So we see that he listened to his instruction and he took those steps of faith. He had courage because of covenant. He made memorials throughout the promises of God so they would remember and not forget his goodness. But I want to talk about one last thing before we close. Joshua 24 and verse 29. Come on, did you guys get some today? Did you guys get some in this series? I'm sorry, I get excited. I can't help it. That's okay, right? I get excited about what God wants to do in your life. I get excited about the Bible. So Joshua 24 and verse 29. 24, 29, it says, After this, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land that had been given to him. In verse 31, The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. And those who had personally experienced all the Lord had done for Israel. Verse 32. It says, The bones of Joseph, which the Israelites had brought along with them when they left Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the parcel of ground Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamar for a hundred pieces of silver. In this land that was allocated to the territory to the descendants of Joseph. So, I want to share a few more last comments with you before we close this series. Now, once again, we serve a promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God. And we see that there's a random part of Joshua that, like, why would you put that in? And it says, the bones of Joseph which the Israelites had brought along with them when they left Egypt, were buried in the promised land. The bones of Joseph. Now you better help me preach before I end this. (laughs) The bones of Joseph, which the Israelites had brought along with them, they buried it in the promised land. Why? Because he's a promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God. So why is this significant? Why is this significant? We realize, I want to I share a couple more last things about the promises of God to you, hopefully to encourage you, to maybe think of it in a different way, in a different perspective. God is a generational God. God thinks bigger than what we think about. We think about the here and now. God thinks about eternity. He thinks about generations. He thinks about heritage. He thinks about lineage. And there are promises in the Bible that happened way throughout time, even after the person had passed on. We see that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there are promises that God gave them that are still being fulfilled today. Thousands of years later, even though there was promises fulfilled in their lifetime. We see that Moses prepared the way for Joseph to go into the promised land and fulfill the promises of God. David laid the foundation that Solomon could build the temple. 
It even says in the book of Hebrews that there's all these heroes of the faith in the Bible. That even though the promises of God were fulfilled in their lives, they were waiting for a day that we live in. They were waiting for a day that the Holy Spirit would come live on the inside of them. And they didn't see that promise. But that promise was fulfilled in future generations. So God thinks for the long term. Joseph, who was in Egypt. You know Joseph in the coat of many colors? The same Joseph that was thrown in the pit, in the prison. Then he went to the palace. Huh, come on now, somebody. Where my Bishop Jake's preaching coat at? The pit, the palace. Okay, all right. (laughs) The prince. Okay. The same Joseph that was in Egypt, he wished for a day that he would be in the promised land. And he told the generation that was going before him, if I don't get there, Take my bones in there with you because I don't want to be buried in Egypt. I want to be buried in the promised land because God is true to his promise. So even though I might not get there the way that I think that I'm going to get there, I know that my bones will be buried one day and I will be in the promises of God. Now, hold on. We're just getting to the good part here. So why would he say, bury me in the promises of God? Because God thinks bigger than you think. And trust me, hear me on this. There's certain things that your parents and your grandparents paid for, prayed for, that you're living in today. And they didn't see what you saw. And they haven't experienced what you experienced. But by you getting in the promises of God, they get in the promises of God. And how many know Moses would have came back and kicked Joshua's butt if he didn't go in the promises of God. He said, after all I did, after all I've been through, Joshua, you're just going to not take the promises of God? Same way with David. David said, after all I've been through, Solomon, you're not going to build the temple? And right now, trust me, there is generations that are up in heaven right now praying for you and pleading for you. That when you get into the promises, they get into the promises. And it means something. It means something. There's people that went before us. There's people that prayed before us. But what about you in future generations? There's things that you're praying for that maybe you won't see, but your kids will see. Maybe you don't see, but your grandkids will see. That your great kids will see. And it's because of what you're doing right now. Come on, do you get what I'm saying today? And so they buried him in the promises of God. He didn't physically ever get there. But they took his bones and they buried him in the promised land. You know, I bet when that happened, he was up in heaven saying, thank you. I finally made it. I've been in Egypt way too long. I finally made it. All these generations later, I finally made it. There's people that went before us that didn't have what we have, that didn't have the Bibles we have, that didn't have the the podcast we have and the YouTube we have and the books we have, that they were the only people believing God. They were the only people that were spirit-filled. They were the only people believing in healing, and they got persecuted for it, and they they got fought over it, and they paid a price. Come on now, somebody. That we could get into the promises of God, and when we get in, they get in. 
don't know if you're feeling this as much as I'm preaching it. But it's true nonetheless. Think about men and women of God that went before us. They got persecuted and stoned and martyred for what we walk in easily. Come on now, somebody. And so when we fulfill the promises of God as a church, as individuals, as families, you know what? That's like taking their bones and burying them in the promised land. Because they're up in heaven saying it was all worth it. Make their sacrifice worth it. Make what past generations did for us worth it. That they could see us going into the promises of God. And then for you today, what about the generations after you? There's people in the future that are going to be your kids, your grandkids, that might do more for you than what you did for God. Maybe his promise will be fulfilled in that other generation. We think so here and now, don't we? Are you getting this today? The bones of Joseph were buried in the promise. So it was all worth it. All that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all the sacrifice that they had been through was worth it. At the end. I want to make a few more comments, if I can, if my voice will hold up. (laughs) But notice even Joseph, even though he was dead, God was still a promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God. Because he asked God, he said, I don't want to be buried in Egypt. (laughs) I want to be buried in the promised land. (laughs) I don't want to be out here. And all those years later, God was still a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God that made sure that they didn't lose the bones of Joseph in all their travels and all their battles, which would have been easy to do, and they made sure he was buried in the promised land. Sometimes the promises of God are fulfilled in your lifetime. Now hear me on this. But sometimes the promises are fulfilled through your lifeline. What about the future? What about the past? You don't know who was praying for you in the past, who was giving for you in the past. In the future, who are you praying for right now, giving for right now? Because sometimes it might not happen in your lifetime, but God is going to use your lifeline, the lineage that you have on the earth, and he might fulfill it in your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren or your sons and your daughters. Are you willing to do that? I know for a fact that's why my life is the way it is today. I didn't fight battles that they fought. I didn't. I didn't fight battles I fought. They fought. I didn't go through what they went through. But notice they were doing it because there was a promise that wasn't necessarily just fulfilled in their lifetime, in their lifeline. 
there are things that Jessica and Jacob never went through that they went through. That they're fighting for the future. And God wants to fulfill things. Notice, let's think bigger. Let's think generational. Let's get some perspective about eternity. Let's think about, yeah, God's going to fulfill some things in my lifetime, but what about my lifeline? What about my lineage? What about the future? What about God wants to do things that's bigger than just the here and now? Uh, My grandmother, Mimi, was my best friend. Got me out of a lot of trouble. A whole lot of trouble. Went to the grave not telling on me until they started digging through her stuff. But she went to the grave not ratting me out. Best friends for life. I mean, she got me out of a couple speeding tickets. I ran into a car one time. You know, yeah, just minor stuff like that. (laughs) So, anyways... She got me out of a lot of trouble in my lifetime. But there's prayers that she prayed that she never saw with these two eyes. Okay, are you okay? Okay. <clears throat> There's promises that she never saw with these two eyes. But God was still true. Because it didn't happen in her lifetime, but it happened in her lifeline. There's promises that she prayed for about me, about Jessica, about my cousin Robin, who was an atheist at that time. Who said, I will never believe in God. There's no such thing as God in her face yelling. And she kept praying for him. But today he teaches Bible studies. (laughs) She didn't see it in her lifetime. Is God not true? He's a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. And even though she didn't see it in her lifetime, she saw it in her lifeline. And I know she's in heaven. She sees it now. So I want to encourage you. God is a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. Even if we don't see all the promises this side of heaven, doesn't mean he's still not going to come through. Because he will. And he has. And he always will. He always will. 